Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. All right, well, good morning, New Southern Gardeners. I hope that you are doing well. Thanks for joining us here on New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm Nathan Wilson. Glad that you have decided to spend your Saturday morning with us. Now, here recently, we have been talking all about vegetables. And so on today's program, I would like to continue that because we are finally getting to a point in time, this part of spring where it would be quite advisable to go ahead and start growing your vegetables. Now, maybe you have already started growing them, but perhaps you've been doing so inside. Maybe you started them in a sunny window, the kitchen window, a little greenhouse or something. Well, we are getting to where we can plant them outside. Now, of course, if you've missed any show here, on vegetables. You can find them all at NewSouthernGarden.com. And I would encourage you to do that because, of course, we've talked about cold season crops, things that we want to plant in late winter, uh, like, well, potatoes sometime in March and onions maybe as early as January. And so we've got a great selection of things we've already discussed. We're taking one vegetable, one uh, show at a time. And so, the big reveal here, what are we talking about today, right? Well, we're going to talk about probably the most popular vegetable, the tomato. Now, it's not always been the most popular vegetable. Used to, uh, people thought it was poisonous. And other cultures thought it was the fruit of love. (laughs) So... It has a uh, storied history, and we're going to get into some of that. But today's show is all about tomatoes. If you want to, uh, well, you know, grow your own tomatoes, then you better stay tuned. Because we're going to get into the details of that. And, of course, some problems that may arise with tomatoes. You've probably had some problems with the tomato crops from year to year. And it's just part of life. It's just part of life of dealing with nature. That's right. Nature is an interesting creature. She's an interesting beast. And so we are going to uh, get into the details there. But uh, a couple of things about, let's see, housekeeping. Of course, you can find us online at NewSouthernGarden.com and on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. We have uploaded a few videos. I'm sorry. I haven't been very dependable of uploading them regularly. Uh, But as we get inspiration, I tend to get one up there. Uh, Let's see. Oh, the other thing that we need to discuss, of course, is we are getting into the growing season. We're getting into that time of year where you're going to have questions. You're going to have problems that arise in your landscape. And you're going to ask, where do I go for help? 
Well, you can come here to New Southern Garden anytime because on our website, NewSouthernGarden.com, as I said before, you can find a Contact Us page, and it's easy. You just type in your name, type in your um, question, let us know where you're gardening at because we do have a lot of folks who are listening to uh, the show after it airs on, on uh, here on WRWH. They're listening to it online through the podcasting apps. And they're sending us questions as well. And so let us know where uh, you all are gardening when you ask questions. And you're more than welcome to ask questions on Facebook and on Instagram, where you can upload pictures and videos, I believe. And so if your particular situation requires some video or picture work, you can start there with New Southern Garden on Facebook and Instagram. So the reason I tell you to send us your questions or ask you to is because I am preparing a Q&A week show. And of course, you know, when we have Q&A week, we have gathered all of your questions, tried to answer as many as we can, and I hope that your question can be part of that upcoming show. So be sure to send us your question either through the website, Facebook, Instagram, however you can. If you can do a smoke signal and I can see it from over here in the North Georgia mountains, then that would be fine too. So be sure to do that and we can make you a part of the program. Now, the other thing that I'd like to mention, of course, uh, you, you know that I do operate Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, where you can find me throughout the week. Uh, but we do have a big event coming up next week, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, called our uh, third anniversary garden party. So if you'd like to come to the garden party, there will be a uh, Q&A session with me at some point. There will be uh, educational tables on birding and native plants and gardening and, of course, all those fun things that we love to do. So definitely bring the kiddos out because they'll have some activities there. Of course, there are going to be beautiful plants available. Folks, we have just this week got in probably the most stunning hanging baskets that we ever have gotten in. And of course, our annual plants are rolling in in all kinds of sizes and shapes and colors and forms. And then, of course, perennials and shrubs and trees. Uh, this is the season of gardening, is it not? So that is going to be April 17th, of course, on Saturday. We'll have a free cookout and all kinds of things. Of course, just good good family fun. A lot of folks coming around saying howdy-do, right? Uh, oh, we will have sort of drawings. I should mention this because we will have a drawing if you spend, say, $50. Uh, for every $50 you spend, your name goes into a hat for a few prizes that, of course, you don't have to be present to win, but we will contact the winners later. So just a way to say a thank you and appreciation. And we do thank all, the, all, all of you who have made the trek to uh, Lanier Nursery and Gardens and Flowery Branch to uh, come support local nurseries, local businesses. And, of course, uh, we do appreciate you helping us make Lanier Nursery and Gardens a special place here in North Georgia. All right, so on today's program, of course, we're talking about tomatoes. And tomatoes are fun and exciting. Tomatoes are healthy. They're healthy and they're good. They are very tasty. But uh, a little bit about the history of tomatoes. Of course, uh, it is a member of the nightshade family. Now, you may recall that when we talked about potatoes, we discussed that they also are members of the nightshade family. So tomatoes and potatoes, they sound very similar. And they're actually very familiar. <laughs> so they are in the similar plant family there, along with eggplant and peppers. And so with that being said, remember, when you're planting tomatoes, 
and peppers and eggplants and potatoes near each other, they may or may not share some of the same problems as far as pests, you know, diseases and insects go. But botanically speaking, the tomato itself is classified as a fruit. Of course, fruits are products from ovaries, which come from flowers. Now, most of the time, as far as commercially, we do call it and treat it a vegetable. Okay, so of course, botanically speaking, fruits come from uh, flowers, and of course, the tomato comes from a flower. However, on the vegetable shelf in the produce counter at the grocery store, vegetables are usually defined as something that is savory and eaten as part of the meal, and that would be tomatoes. Whereas fruits, on the other hand, commercially speaking, when we go into the grocery store, fruits are something sweet, um, something that's not necessarily savory, but sweet, juicy, and of course, used in pies and fillings and cakes and jams and all those things, usually eaten as a dessert rather than part of the savory meal. But botanically, remember, when we're growing vegetables, we're either growing roots, shoots, or fruits. And of course, tomatoes themselves are not roots or shoots. They are fruits. Okay, so of course, this particular plant has a lot of, of different um, species. They These species have been very helpful in hybridizing and crossing plants so that we get disease resistance and insect resistance. Because yes, folks, tomatoes do have a slew of uh, diseases that can infect them. However, through the helpful use of hybridization, we have tried to eliminate some of those disease problems. Okay, so did you know that the tomato, it is native to tropical America, meaning more like South America, most likely uh, in the region of the Andes Mountains in Peru and in Bolivia. The wild types generally have very small fruits. They're usually about the size of a cherry or slightly larger. However, the larger fruited forms, they were developed from wild types uh, by the pre-Columbian Aztecs and in Incas. They, they actually cultivated tomatoes long before the discovery of the Americas. So this is a very old crop. It has been used and developed by humans, civilizations, for many thou uh, probably thousands of years. And even though the, the Western world was not familiar with it before the discovery of America, it was still be, being grown and eaten by uh, the Native Americans here. Now, of course, um, Mexico tends to be the region where we think that it was mainly domesticated. Uh, seeds had been taken back to Italy by returning explorers, and the plant found good favor in the warm Mediterranean climates. Yes, that's right. Tomatoes like it warm, not necessarily very hot, uh, and humidity can become a problem with diseases. So, from Italy, uh, the tomatoes moved to the northern part of Europe, and then eventually to the United States by late 1700s. So, with all that being said, don't you find it kind of funny that the history of the tomato is it's an American particularly South American plant that's native there. However, it didn't make its way to North America directly through Mexico. It went from Mexico over to Europe, then up to Northern Europe, and then 
over to the North America, of course, here in the United States. And that was all because of settlers and settlements. It didn't make a direct line straight up into the uh, North America. It bypassed went to Europe and came to, I, f- I find it very interesting because, of course, uh, we're not too far from South America, but Tomato had a long journey to take before it got here. Also in its history, uh, there has been considerable, maybe use the word prejudice, against using the tomato as a culinary vegetable. This is very interesting because, see, the British, they thought tomatoes were poisonous or maybe even the fruits of evil spirits. While the French, on the other hand, of course the French, they would associate it with love, referring to it, the tomato, as the love apple. But of course, um, people knew that the tomato was related to certain poisonous members of the nightshade family, particularly belladonna and the mandrake. And it may be because of this that they also thought um, it was poisonous like these other plants that it was related to. Uh, But the crop did take a while uh, to gain popularity in the United States. We may find that surprising because it is so familiar now. It's like our best friend in the garden, our best friend in the vegetable garden, and yet early on, tomatoes didn't really take in the United States. It actually wasn't until 1835 that the tomato uh, sort of became generally cultivated for culinary purposes in the United States. And since then, of course, um, let's see, very much extensive commercial production in the United States uh, didn't really come about until the later part of the 19th century. So just right before the 1900s, we finally see the rise of some of the um, uh, commercial aspects. Now, of course, I always like to say how we use these plants that we're talking about, these vegetables, and, and tomatoes is one of the most versatile vegetables. How do we use it? We use it baked. We use it stewed. We use it fried. We use it juiced. We use it pickled. We use it pureed. We use it processed into, of course, sauces and probably my uh, favorite, ketchup. And, of course, we slice them, we dice them, we wedge them for salad making. Now, the nutritional value of tomato is not wonderful. It's quite modest. Uh, As a matter of fact, it ranks as the 16th the 16th among vegetables in relative concentration of vitamins and minerals. But of course, no matter how many vitamins or minerals it may or may not have, tomatoes are a tasty treat. They're a wonderful summertime vegetable. And when we get back from this break, we're going to talk more details about a little bit on the industry and then, of course, how we can grow them and grow them well in our very own gardens. Hang on tight, gang. We will be right back. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who 
are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together. So, of course, tomatoes is the word for today, and hopefully tomatoes will be the fruit for tomorrow, because, of course, there are plenty, plenty of things you could be growing in your vegetable gardens and in any other garden around your your house, but tomatoes are probably some of the top choices, and the soil is getting warmer, and I think especially looking in the uh, 30-day forecast, you should be safe to plant them as soon as you like because, of course, we want to make sure our soil is very warm. We want to make sure that we have no frosts and freezes coming up, and I think the worst of, is it, uh, worst of it is over. So, uh, depending on what zone and what area you are listening, of course, we are here in the Northeast Georgia Mountains, right here in beautiful Cleveland, Georgia, uh, but... Depending on where you're located, where you're listening to this online or not, uh, be sure to check the forecast and make sure you're not going to have too many cold nights wherever you are. But of course, with the tomatoes, just a quick note on their, their um, we've talked about their history, talked about their classification, what kind of uh, family of plants they fall into. But of course, tomatoes are one of the most popular vegetable crops for fresh market and processing in the United States, as well as being the most commonly grown vegetable in the home garden, which you probably already know that because uh, you're growing them yourself. Now, there are, like I said, two main types of growth uh, or production as far as uh, commercial goes. Fresh market, which is going to be those tomatoes you buy off the shelf to slice and put in your tomato, uh, put in your salad, put in uh, your soups or whatever. And then the processing side of commercial production, which would be canned and uh, frozen and stored in some type of way. But they're both very, very productive here in the United States. As a matter of fact, um, the, the, the fresh market tomatoes, they're going to be grown for wholesale or retail or supermarket. Uh, usually in the United States, there's an average yield of about 14 tons per acre. Now, I know you're probably not bringing in one ton of tomatoes a year, but just think in the commercial side of things, they can produce uh, an average of 14 tons. But better than that, growers in our state, in Georgia and in Florida, their their results average about 18 tons per acre. So we can produce a number of tomatoes right here in the southeast. So be sure that uh, even though you may find some California tomatoes, who actually uh, is a leader in the uh, fresh marketing uh, tomato uh, side of things, be sure you're asking for southeastern tomatoes. Why not? You know, it's better to get them from down the street or up the road rather than across the country, right? Okay, so then, of course, we can move into a few notes um, on uh, processing tomatoes. Of course, processing tomatoes is heavily concentrated in California, which produces about 94% of the processing tomatoes that are grown here in the U.S. And surprisingly, Ohio, Indiana, and Michigan 
follow that. I guess we could contribute it to the fact that maybe, maybe, Ohio, uh, Indiana, and Michigan's being in the north, perhaps their tomatoes aren't quite as beautiful as the ones we grow in the south, and therefore they have to use their tomatoes for processing rather than fresh eating. That's what I like to think. So, of course, you can grow tomatoes in a greenhouse. You can do it. And there are some commercial production of greenhouse tomatoes. Uh, We do that, of course, during the cold weather. It's a very specialized operation. It does require a high degree of technical management. Um, But, of course, there were some areas, uh, some sizable greenhouse production areas in Ohio and Indiana. But it has declined dramatically since the 70s. Because heating costs have gone up. Heating costs have gone up, but also one caveat to U.S. production is that there is a lot of winter importation of Mexico of tomatoes coming from Mexico. So we have a bit of competition as far as this um, production in the U.S. goes. Mexico is able to produce a lot of tomatoes, and I've seen them used to be in the produce industry uh, some time back. And, of course, I saw boxes and boxes of tomatoes coming from Mexico. So there is some competition there. But regardless, but regardless, tomatoes are going to be tasty and they're going to be fun to grow. So let's talk a bit about the plant itself, the tomato plant. It is a herbaceous perennial in its native habitat. But here in the United States... It is grown as an annual because it is very easily killed by frost before it can even complete its first year of growth. So, to resummarize that, where we find it growing in the Andes Mountains down there um, in South America, it is a herbaceous perennial, meaning it's a lot like coneflower or it's a lot like uh, black eyed Susans. It's a lot like Shasta daisies. You see, it will grow. Um, through the season, die to the ground in probably the wet season or the cooler season, and then re-emerge from the ground. But of course, here in the United States, it's a bit too cold. We're not able to get that kind of life cycle. So what do we do? We replant it every single year. And there's nothing wrong with that because every time you replant, you can get a new type of tomato and try some more different different varieties and uh, get some different uh, ideas going on in your tomato patch. But of course, the plant itself uh, should have a quite vigorous, uninterrupted juvenile stage uh, during which the flowering is delayed to allow development of a strong vegetative structure before the fruits set. In other words, We do have to wait a while until flowering happens. The plant has to become strong. This is very good for the plant. You're going to have this juvenile stage. The flowering is delayed. You don't get crop until a little later. But that's okay because you want to have a healthy, strong plant. And then a good, full-on reproductive cycle where fruits are coming and the tomatoes are just looking delicious. Now, there are three different forms of tomatoes. I don't know if you uh, realize that not all tomatoes are the same uh, because the three different growth habits um, include an intermediate type 
or sorry, let me back up, an indeterminate type, and then, of course, a semi-determinate type and a determinate type. Now, if you're looking for a bushy tomato that doesn't vine or creep or crawl or grow for 12 feet long, you would want to go with a determinate type. Because the determinate types are true bush types. Now, they are mainly going to set all of their fruits at one time. So, determinate, I always like to think of it as it's determined. It is going to produce all of its fruits at once, and then it will be done. That tomato is over. It's done producing for the year. You can pull it out and start another one. There is a very old, dependable old-fashioned type, I guess I should say, uh, called Rutgers that is a very beautiful tomato, their average size, but they do very well for canning if you're going to make sauces or some kind of processed um, storage, putting tomatoes away. It's a great uh, tomato plant for that because they do produce all at one time. That is what we call the determinate type of tomato. It's a bush type. Now, the the other form that we talked about was semi-determinate. Now, semi-determinate or semi-erect, it's going to be sort of upright like the bush type. It's not going to trail and spill over as much, but you still may get some, you still may get some of your uh, tomatoes uh, throughout the season rather than all at once. And then, of course, lastly, the indeterminate types. Now, indeterminate types are usually what you and I are going to want to grow and what's going to be most desirable for situations where we're picking them and harvest harvesting them to use fresh. We want a few today and a few tomorrow. We're going to pick them off the vine one at a time, three at a time, a bushel at a time, however many plants you have. We're going to take them inside and use them fresh or within the next few days. So again, we've got the determinate type, which are bush types, great for patios, but they come in all at once. The semi-determinate are good for patios as well, but they're going to have little more blooming and blossoming later. And indeterminate types, they indeterminately bloom just forever and ever. Hang on tight, folks. we got more to talk about with tomatoes when we get back. Stories are Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Okay, gang, I hope that you have already been thinking through the break of all the glorious types of tomatoes you are planning to grow or hope to grow this year. Now, of course, there are plenty of ways to start tomatoes. You can, to get the most variety, to get the most variety of tomatoes possible, the best way to grow tomatoes is from seed. Because you can go on to online or you can go to uh, local uh, box stores and of course well, I shouldn't even say box stores I should say local nurseries because of course at Lanier Nursery and Gardens and Flowery Branch where you can find me we do carry heirloom seed including some tomatoes and you can find all kinds of variety if you do an online search for tomato seed you're going to find 
all kinds of, of varieties, some old fashioned, some new hybrids, some really exciting things, maybe some boring things, but still, they'll probably be tasty. So starting from seed is the best way to get the variety that you're looking for. Somebody came into the nursery the other day asking for a certain kind of tomato. Can't even remember the name. I had never heard of it. Never heard of it. Or was it pepper? I don't know. I, I, I don't remember what they were asking for. But regardless, the point is, is just because we haven't heard of it or seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But to find a very unusual tomato or pepper or any kind of vegetable as a plant, a transplant like at the nursery, is more difficult. Because, of course, in the plant world, in the nursery world, we're going to be selective. We're going to have to pick the ones that sell the best or most popular. But in the seed world, it's easier to store. You can store seed in a chilled refrigerator, but you can't do that with tomato plants. You have to grow them and sell them quickly. So you will find more variety in the seed world, but in the plant world, there's still some great things. And there is a benefit to planting tomato transplants, of course. They already are several inches tall, usually, and that speeds your crop along, and you don't have to baby them as if you were to start them indoors over the winter to get them a good start. So there are pros and cons, but you've got to figure out which uh, which method works best for you. Now, before we talk a little bit more about tomatoes and we're going to talk about their flowers and how their fruits develop and, and things like that, I do want to re-invite you because I already invited you once uh, to the garden party at Lanier Nursery and Gardens. That will be uh, next Saturday at uh, that's april 17th and so of course we're located in flowery branch we're going to have fun we're going to have beautiful plants we're going to have educational tables so bring the kids so they can learn about gardening and all kinds of activities you can do outside and of course we're going to have a drawing uh you, you purchase so much and you get your name into a hat and you'll be contacted if you win and then of course we will have a free hot dog lunch for you and a Q&A session with me, so bring your questions. Well, maybe we'll use those questions uh, on the air sometime. So uh, be sure to check us out on April 17th at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch. Of course, that is our third anniversary garden party, and you are invited. Now, if you've missed any part of today's program, we've been talking about tomatoes, and we're going to help you. We're talking about the uh, some history of the tomatoes, the plant itself, because really to grow something, you must know how it grows and what it needs in order to grow. So we're talking about the details of that, and we're going to talk about some pests and disease issues later. Uh, but if you've missed this program or other programs, of course, don't cry about it. Don't be sad. It's okay because you can find every episode of New Southern Garden here at 93.9 FM WRWH. You can find every episode online at uh, NewSouthernGarden.com. And of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram. And then lastly, we are on the podcasting apps. So we do upload our shows after they've aired. We upload them to the cloud so you can enjoy them anytime on demand for free. All right. I should not sing while I'm on the air. Now, here we go. Uh, let's talk a bit more about tomatoes. Um, unlike most plants, unlike most plants, the tomato flower, the tomato flower itself, they are made, there are in clusters, but they occur along the stems. The next time your tomato flowers, take a look at that. You'll see that the flowers occur along the stems. They don't occur 
at the nodes, which is where the leaves are, or along the leaf itself. So very unusual. Uh, But the reality is that the tomato flower is what we call a perfect flower. Now, a little bit of biology here, plant biology or botany. A perfect flower is a flower that has male parts and female parts. Okay, so you've got these stamens and you've got the stigma. I guess that's the female part if my memory serves me right. But regardless, um, flowers are so important when we're growing something for its fruit, like with tomatoes, because we want to make sure that the flowers are developing normally, but as well as importantly, that they're being pollinated. Now, Tomatoes are unique in that the way that their flower is designed and put together, most of the time, the tomato flower pollinates itself before it even opens. So very unusual, like with corn. With corn, you have uh, two different flowers. You have the tassels at the top and you have the ears at the bottom. Now, the tassels at the top are the male flowers. Tassels on the ears, of course, those are female flowers, and they are wind-pollinated, and the wind is throwing pollen around, and it is falling to those female flower parts. But in the tomato flower, you've got both male and female cuddled up real nice, real tight, and usually you already have pollination before the flower opens. What does that mean? That means it's not necessary, but it's always beneficial Uh, to have honeybees, butterflies, any other pollinators that are flying around. You don't necessarily have to have them around going from flower to flower. It's always helpful when they're around. And of course, they're able to get nutrition and pollen and nectar uh, from those flowers themselves. But you don't have to have that. So that's essential to know that, uh, especially if you plan on saving your seed or if you plan on hybridizing your own seed. This is an important characteristic to know because if you plan to hybridize your own seed, you are going to have to swap pollen from one plant to the other before the flower opens because usually by the time the flower is opened, that fruit is already pollinated. That flower is already pollinated. Now, if you plan to save your seed, this is also important to know because pretty much you can guarantee that your seed will be the same. We say that seed comes true to seed or true to type. Tomato seeds usually are true to type, whereas cantaloupes and cucumbers, they will cross and hybridize with each other. You may have a cantagourd. A cantagourd. I've never thought about that. That's a good name. It just came out. So a cantaloupe and a gourd may be hybridizing. You save the seed from your cantaloupe or your gourd, and boom, you've got something different. But with tomatoes... Usually, you get true to type. So if there is one plant that you should save your seed from, I would say it's tomato because you can find something dependable, reliable, and you know that that seed is most likely going to act and look and taste like its mother. I don't know. I I sort of wonder sometimes how many people are saving their seed. Uh, I I know that the seed company we work with, Baker, um, Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds, They have had shortages the past year because demand has been so high. People buying seeds, which is great for their business. I guess until you run out, then you can't sell anything else. But anyhow, I just wonder how many people are saving their seed. I would encourage you to save your seed because you can select plants that seem to perform better. 
say you have a tomato that doesn't get as much disease problems, or you have a tomato that has a bigger fruit or juicier or tastier fruit, save the seed from that plant. And with tomatoes, at least, you're pretty much guaranteed to get the same kind of plant that you had the previous year. It will be a lot like its mother, in other words. Now, the reason I talk so much about flowers is because it's very important um, in the development of your fruits. It's very important in the development of your fruits. Now, of course, we know that as the fruits and as the flowers, they, they, they're, those ovaries swell and get larger. You're going to get maturity. You're going to get maturity. And I will say that there are a number of types of mature tomato fruits. So as far as when do you harvest, you have to know your tomato type, make sure that it's the right color because color is a very important factor with tomatoes. You may have reds, you may have pinks, you may have orange, you may have yellow, you may have striped tomatoes with certain colors. You may have green, actually. You can harvest tomatoes while they're green and some ripen to a green. So that one's particularly hard to tell but you may have white as well. So just know your colors. Now remember that these pigments, these red, and particularly the red and pink, uh, that is the, the most common and available tomato, reds and pinks. The fruit color itself is a pigment. Now the green color in a green tomato is a pigment. That's called chlorophyll. But of course, we see that the reds usually produce lycopene, the oranges usually produce carotene, and the yellows something called xanthophyll, which is kind of a unique and unusual name and sometimes hard to say. But regardless, as they mature, the fruits, and, and particularly that lycopene, let's talk about lycopene. That lycopene is going to increase as chlorophyll decreases. Now, lycopene is good because we know that it helps to fight cancer cells, and that is one good reason, of course, other than that they're tasty, to eat tomatoes. So here's the thing, that lycopene development is best at 70 to 75 degrees. So of course, when we start to get to the high ends, um, we see that that pigment, the lycopene, starts to rapidly fall off about 80 degrees and almost is not produced, not available at 90 degrees. But the carotene, the orange color, right? Carotene is what's in carrots and gives carrots their orange color and it's good for your eyesight, so they say. That readily, that readily develops at high temperatures so that the fruits that are ripening in hot weather will sort of have a more distinct orange color. So if you're supposed to have a red tomato, but it looks more orange, it could be that it is ripening at a uh, very warm time of year. If it's into the 90s, your reds may look a little bit more orange. Okay, so now that we've talked about the fruits, and that's their ultimate goal, producing those healthy, lycopene, tasty, juicy fruits, how do we get there? Of course, we've already said that tomatoes are warm season crops. They do need the frost-free conditions, and of course, many of them um, can take 80 to 120 days uh, as far as indeterminate types go, the ones that continue to fruit forever and ever, could take 80 to 120 days to get harvest. And that means you need to plan ahead. You need to go ahead and have transplants ready or your tomato crops will be behind. With all that being said, of course, the ideal growth is going to happen at temperatures between 77 and 86 degrees. And as long as the night times are somewhere in 60 to 68 the trouble is, growth with tomatoes will stop at a maximum temperature of about 95 degrees and a minimum temperature of 53 degrees. Now, folks, I doubt that we're going to be in the 53 degrees through summer 
but we probably will be in the 95 degrees for a certain period of time through summer. We're still going to have some cool nights. That's why we uh, need to watch the weather. But as long as we are warmer than 53, and as long as we are cooler than 95, we'll be okay. There is a problem if you have tomatoes that are prolonged to temperatures below 50 you can have some chilling injury and it may kill the plant. That's why I encourage you to make sure early in the season here that you have made sure, checked your boxes off, made sure that the plant, that the weather is going to look good and be warm. Folks, we got to take another break. But when we get back, we are going to continue our discussion on tomatoes. I'm going to talk a little bit about soil. Then we're going to talk about some of the pests and you know, insects, bad guys that may try to eat your tomatoes before you get to eat them. We definitely don't want them around. So hang on tight and we will be right back with this quick break. See you later. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our contact us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, it's about that time of year where we say broccoli is out and tomatoes are in. That's right. We are getting into that wonderful time of year when we can start growing warm season vegetables like tomatoes. Now, as we've said, of course, tomatoes are not necessarily vegetable because we are eating their fruits. Yes, we're eating their fruits, but if we were to classify it commercially, we probably would continue to call it a vegetable, which is just fine. But of course, we were talking about uh, the ideal growing conditions for tomatoes. We know they don't like heat, as a matter of fact, uh, as a matter of fact, temperature drastically affects flowering and fruiting in tomatoes. So we've got to make sure that we are, um, well, we can't really, we can't make sure that I shouldn't say we can make sure that we're staying chillier or a little cooler for tomatoes. We are only given what we're given, but remember that we do want to start them as early as possible so that they get going and hopefully fruiting before temperatures get crazy. And then, of course, we just pray for nice, cool summers. <laughs> yeah. So tomatoes are going to grow on a wide range of soils. So whether you've got um, more organic soils or clay soils or sandy soils, sandy loam soils, you can pretty much grow tomatoes. Maybe the ideal for early fruit production would be a light, warm, well-drained, fertile soil that would give you high quality and fruit production. But if, you know, earliness, if... um 
uh, earliness is not the most important thing, then guess what? Loams and clay loams are going to be just fine. They do hold on to a lot of water. And of course, they will be uh, better suited for a longer season of production. So what I would recommend in your garden soil, if you already have some existing clay, if you're starting a new patch, definitely add organic matter. And let's try to turn that clay into a clay loam. Organic matter is one way to do that to make sure that your clay uh, is busted up, broken up. And of course, that organic matter that you add will hold on to a good bit of um, water and nutrition. Speaking of nutrition, we do want to make sure that we're fertilizing uh, pretty well because tomatoes are listed as a type of a particular vegetable that gives high response to fertility. So the more nutrition we have, the better response and production we will have as well. Now we've already talked uh, briefly about how do we seed. You can directly seed tomatoes in the ground, but you've got to make sure that the ground temperature is warm. You've got to make sure the ground temperature is warm, that's for sure. Now, how close can you plant them? You can space the plants uh, within a row, uh, maybe six to nine inches uh, for single plants, and then maybe nine to 12 inches apart if you want to sort of group them in clumps, which is sort of an old-fashioned way of doing it, but no problem at all. I usually don't put them that close. I usually put them in the 18 to 24 inches. I think that for a uh, garden, uh, as far as a home garden goes, spacing them a couple of feet is nice because you do want to train most of these uh, up a trellis or some kind of wire basket, of course. Those have been marketed for a long time. But regardless, you do want to give some kind of support. Now, we did talk about uh, transplants, and you can purchase healthy transplants from a local nursery near you, like Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, where you can find me throughout the week. Of course, we want to keep water to tomatoes. They are uh, from that part of the world where sort of jungly, right? Um, so we want to make sure they don't dry out because once they get past a permanent wilting point, you definitely will see a decrease in the fruit production. We want to make sure that for uh, the plant to maximize its growth potential and for those fruits to get as big and tasty as possible. We want to make sure that they have plenty of uh, moisture. Now, there are different types of tomatoes as far as, I'm not going to go through specific cultivars by any means, but I will say look for globe-type tomatoes. Those would be like celebrities and big boys and better boys. There are beefsteak-type tomatoes. Those are very wide and squatty, and once you slice it, uh, you can have a slice that covers a piece of bread for a tomato sandwich, and then some pears, which looks like a little pear. Those are pear tomatoes. Roma tomatoes are kind of long and pointed, and then, of course, cherry and grape tomatoes. They are very small. Now, really quick on insects. Of course, you know about the tomato hornworm. Tomato hornworms are probably the insect for tomatoes that you're going to deal with. Maybe some white flies and things like that. Maybe some aphids. Um, you can always control flea beetles and those kinds of things with some in insecticides. But as far as hornworms go, remember, they do feed on tomatoes. They eat pretty much the uh, foliage overnight. You will never see them until you see their the plant has no foliage. They will defoliate the plant overnight. It is gone, just leaving the stems. You should, once you see them, once you see that they're eating and chewing, that's when we need to control. 
What I would recommend to use is an insecticide called Bacillus thuringiensis. It's sometimes called Bt because Bt is a type of um, bacteria. So this is biological warfare, right? The bacteria gets into worms or caterpillars only and it destroys them. Okay, so other good pollinators, good, good insects won't be harmed. But that's why I encourage you to use Bt because it's very, very selective. Now, let's talk about diseases. Some of these diseases have been sort of worked, sort of worked out as being problems because of breeding. Things like fusarium wilt and verticillium wilt. And those two wilts are fungal diseases that are born in the soil. Uh, I won't go into those because, of course, we do have some hybrids that I've already mentioned. It's been worked out where these new hybrids, uh, and there are some older hybrids that still have some disease resistance for fusarium and verticillium. But the real wilt that I want to talk about, or not wilt, is the, the blights. The blights are going to probably continue to be a problem. Let's talk about early blight. Early blight is a fungus, and this fungus, it may be uh, in or on the seed, and it may cover uh, the soil as well. So it may be uh, already born into the plant. That's why when you buy plants, be sure they're certified uh, as being healthy and disease-free. But if you had it last year, then you may have it in your soil. Now, that disease can occur at really any stage of development. It's on the stems, it's on the leaves, it's on the fruits. But generally, it's going to be observed uh, mostly in the lower, older leaves. They're going to be small, little brown spots all over the leaves, which then usually get larger and form these circular spots with dark concentric centers it looks like circles kind of like a um, archer's target you're just zoning in you're seeing these concentric circles going around now uh, from there of course these spots uh, are going to be similar to those on the leaves you may see spots on the stems you may see dark sunken leathery spots that form on the fruit as well it can be a problem unfortunately this disease is favored by humid weather and air temperatures above 75 degrees so folks that means this is a true problem in the south but you can control this a regular application of fungicides uh, gives the best control so one thing you can do is when you start planting your tomatoes you can start with like a copper or sulfur based fungicide that are completely organic and they will help to prevent uh, that that from becoming a problem now of course the other thing you want to do is probably uh, get some shears and trim off the lower limbs of those plants as they grow so yes make it like a, a tree water can splash onto those lower limbs mulching well under your vegetable plants will help keys, keep diseases at bay too folks thanks for joining me this week on new southern garden i hope that you visit us online at newsoutherngarden.com and of course as always stay well and grow well we'll see you next week Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.